Well, good morning. Thank you for leading Zach this morning. By way of reminder, as part of our overarching theme of abundant life this year in chapel, we're also weaving in Christian pro-life perspective in which we are seeking to show how every stage of life is important from the womb to the tomb. As January is the month that we annually recognize the sanctity of life, and as we are exploring the practice of social engagement this week, we have invited back our friends from New Life Family Services. So this morning, Executive Director Tammy Coker will be interviewing a couple with a powerful story who have walked through the thralls of abortion together and have experienced God's redemption and restoration. So can we please all welcome again Tammy Coker as she comes up to introduce the couple and lead our discussion this morning. Thank you. And let's pray for her as they begin. Um, God, we just thank you so much for New Life Family Services. We thank you for Tammy. We thank you for everyone that is involved in the service, God, of keeping life so, so sacred. We thank you so much for this morning, God. I pray that you'll use their words, that you would speak through them, God, and that your name will be glorified in all that they do. We give you this time, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me back. This is such a pleasure to be with all of you. And this is uh, Sanctity of Human Life Month. And so that is the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which was the landmark Supreme Court decision that legalized abortion in all 50 states. And since that time, an estimated 61 million children have lost their lives to abortion. Today, though, I want to talk about the other side of that, and that is the lasting impact that abortion has on women and men that make that choice. The abortion industry loves to talk about empowerment, right? You've all heard abortion is empowering to women, right? Have you heard that? But let's think about what abortion really says to a woman. Abortion says, your situation is really hard. You've messed up too much this time. There's really no other decision that you can make. You should just have an abortion and start over. Does that sound very empowering to you? No. Empowerment is what New Life does every day, which is come alongside women and say, you know what, your situation is hard. Let's not pretend that that's not the case. But there is hope. And you are strong. And you can do this. And we believe in you. And we're going to walk with you every step of the way. That's what empowerment is. And so what I hope to share with you briefly this morning before we have our couple come up and share their story is just a couple of things because I think it's really important as college students that you are equipped to know how to talk about this issue and how you can respond when somebody you know is facing an unplanned pregnancy or considering abortion or has had an abortion. Because I promise you, every single person in this room at some point in your life is going to run across somebody who needs our services. So I want to help equip you with that. Um, New Life has three primary programs. If you were here in December, we talked about adoption. So our adoption program is called New Life Adoptions. We serve both birth families and adoptive families throughout the whole process. But today I want to talk a little bit more about our first care pregnancy centers. So these are our storefront locations where people come in every single day facing unplanned pregnancies. And so this is where we provide pregnancy testing, ultrasounds. We have social workers that will walk them through the entire process, can help with decision making, help with connecting resources to what they're doing. 
Um, this is kind of where the majority of the services we provide happen. We have four locations. Uh, so we have one in the St. Paul Shopping Center, in the Sunray Shopping Center in St. Paul, near the U of M on University Avenue, Richfield, and Rochester, with another location coming soon. Now, I don't want to just be some lady who came to chapel one day, and three months from now you're like, what was she talking about? There's somewhere I need to send somebody. So I'm going to take just a moment, we'll play a little competition game, and we're going to remember first care, all right? So this side, you're going to yell first. This side, you're going to yell care. We're going to do this three times so you remember it, all right? Where are you going to send somebody? I love college students. Good job. First care, I want you to remember this. Because <clears throat> three months from now, you'll be like, I don't want to just be some lady, okay? So I want to share with you, though, who comes through our doors? Who is it that considers abortion? Or what are their circumstances like? Because it might surprise you. In our centers, we have had women who come in, and they are homeless. They have two little kids already. They're living in their car, and she's pregnant. And she's just thinking, I can't possibly have another child right now. We have teenagers who come in, and they're scared to death to tell their parents. We have students from Christian colleges who come in, and they're like, I can't. This will wreck my entire life. We have women in their 40s. We have women in their teens. What I can tell you, every single woman considering abortion that I have met nearly every one of them, they are not choosing abortion or deciding on abortion because they think it's a great option. They are feeling like they have no other choice. And this is what New Life does every single day at our first care centers, is we walk with women and we empower them and we show them, you have options and we're going to walk with you. There is hope for you. And then our third program is our Conqueror's Post-Abortion Program. You'll hear a little bit more about that in a minute. But many women and men find themselves struggling after an abortion decision, and so we want to be a safe place where they can find hope and healing and restoration. One in four women in our country will have an abortion. That statistic is true everywhere, in our churches, in our circles, in our friends, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. That's a huge statistic. Pro-life women have abortions because they find themselves struggling and they make a decision they never would have thought they would make. We need to be the hands and feet of Christ to come alongside them. And I want to talk with you. We're all friends, right? We're all believers in Christ. Some shocking statistics. 43% of women who, were, who had an abortion were attending a Christian church at least once a month at the time of their abortion. 43%. This is not out there. This is here. This is us. And we need to know that because we need to be a safe place for these women and men who are considering this decision. One of the most heartbreaking statistics that I came across was out of these women who were attending church regularly at the time of their abortion, only 7% told somebody in their church about their plans to terminate their pregnancy. Seven. 8% didn't even tell anybody. We are worse than nobody. Like, that's a horrible, horrible statistic. 
because women felt like they would be condemned or judged if they opened up to somebody. And so we don't want to be that. We want to be different. 76% of women said the church had absolutely no influence on their decision to end their pregnancy. Guys, this is heartbreaking. And I want to share with you the second thing, besides learning about first care, I want to share the second thing that I want you to really take out of today. And that is the way that we talk about this issue. I want to share a little story with you. Um, a very close family member of mine, um, I walked them through an unplanned pregnancy. Um, things, you know, they chose life. Life was good, went along for a while. And about five years ago, I was sitting in a hotel room with, um, with them, and we were just talking. And I was watching a video on YouTube, and it was some guy going around interviewing college students about fourth trimester abortions. And what did they think about that? Now, some of you might be thinking, but there's only three trimesters in a pregnancy. That's true. So when they're talking about fourth trimester abortion, they're talking about after the baby's already been born. So what they're really talking about is infanticide. But our society is so desensitized to this issue. Do you know what all those college students said? They were going on and they're like, yep, it's a woman's right to choose. It's her body, her choice. Ignoring the facts, not even thinking about it, they're just spitting out the rhetoric that they have heard without even considering the fact that this is a born alive child. So all of that to say, I was, I about lost my mind. I mean, I really did in this room. I was with my family members and I was like, I just can't believe this. And I was going a little crazy. Two days later, I found out that they had recently had two abortions. And my heart just broke because I was sitting in this room with people I knew were aligned on, with me on thoughts about the topic. And I had let my guard down. And I know that the words that I shared likely brought them additional pain when they could have brought healing. But I wasn't careful with the way that I talked about the issue because I was fired up. And I don't want you all to do that as well. I want you to think about your best friend in the whole world. If she found out she was pregnant, would she come to you? Would she think you're a safe place where she could share her heart with you? Or is she going to be worried about the way that you've talked about this issue in the past? So those are the two things that I want to, I guess, impart with you today is know where to send people because you will encounter somebody who needs our services. And then secondly, be really careful about the way we talk about it. We need to talk with truth, but we need to wrap that truth in love and compassion. Every single person you talk with about that issue, you should th be thinking, they might have experienced an unplanned pregnancy, they might have had an abortion, and so I want to make sure my words are life-giving and pointing them towards Jesus and not pushing down the shame in their lives. And now, this is um, a little bit about the services that New Life offers, but I'd like to invite Jeff and Debbie to come up to the stage, and we're going to hear their story um, about their experience uh, with an unplanned pregnancy 50 years ago. Give them a warm welcome, come on. So welcome, Jeff and Debbie. Tell us a little bit about you and kind of how you all met. Well, we met um, oh, it didn't go. in high school, oh, and uh, I saw her walking down the hallway, and uh, I fell in love with her right then and there. 
and uh, I'm still in love with her. Um, and uh, I just want to say she's the sweetest woman in the world. She would never hurt a fly, and she just loves everybody, and she just loves God, too. So thank you. <laughs> that wasn't scripted. Um, we were 16 years old when we met, and um, let's see. Um, we both grew up in homes with alcoholism, and um, so that was part of the reason we didn't have much support when I became pregnant. Um, so you were pregnant at 16. You found that out. What did you do at that point? Well, the first person I told was Jeff, um, and we both told my mom. Um, my dad never knew, and he didn't tell his parents until he was in his 50s. Okay. So. so, Jeff, what were your thoughts? I mean, this must have been a shock at 16, 17. Well, uh, I was very excited at first, uh, you know, it, young male uh, hormones, all that, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, um, I, I wanted to have the baby, and her mother was totally against it, but uh, I wanted to have the baby move away if we could, and uh, I wanted to take care of it, and, you know, and just have a family, but uh, didn't happen. Now, I know you're, so you told your mom. Tell me more about your mom's reaction. She was upset. Um, she didn't want a teenager or teenage daughter having a baby. And um, later after we told her, she told me that it's been arranged for me to have an abortion. Now talk about that a little bit. Now, this was 50 years ago. Abortion was not legal in Minnesota. So tell me, what did that look like for you? And she had arranged all of this. Um, well, actually, I didn't, she had arranged it all. Um, I didn't know that she had arranged it. I, I thought his uncle had arranged it. Um, but there was, it, it was legal in New York at the time, if a doctor thought it was necessary. So there was a doctor in Golden Valley that would arrange for young pregnant women to fly to New York to have abortions, and um, I ended up flying alone just after my 17th birthday with a 19-year-old, and we both had abortions in New York. That must have been really difficult. Now, I know one of the things you shared with me is, I know you said you were excited to have the baby. She didn't know that, right? No, no we didn't. There was a little uh, lack of communication. Big lack. Yeah. Um, so you thought she wanted the abortion, she thought you wanted the abortion. Exactly. Uh, I knew her mother did, and I actually thought she was siding with her mother, and, um, uh, but I didn't, uh, I didn't know that she actually wanted it. So. And you all didn't find all of this out until much later, yeah. right? Until this past year. So tell me, you went to New York, you had the abortion. Um, tell me what, what that was like when you got back. Like, how did you feel about that? What did you, how did you process all um, of that? 
Well, when I got to um, New York, we went in a clinic, and there was a, a room divider with a cot behind it, and I thought that was where I was going to have the abortion, but I, they, they brought us to another clinic where there were a lot of women, and um, I had the abortion, and they kept reassuring me that it was just a really simple procedure, and it wasn't a baby. It was just some tissue they would be removing, a mass of cells, and um, when I got back, my abortion really didn't bother me um, for probably 10 years. And except if someone said the word abortion or, they, or I saw it, it felt like someone stabbed me in the heart. But I just went on with my life and... Um, I, it didn't really bother me for a long time. And how about for you, Jeff? What was it like when she got back? Well, I met her at the airport, and uh, um, she had kind of a, actually a sad look on her face, and uh, we started talking, and uh, I asked her, you know, if she went through pain and that, and uh, uh, she said she didn't, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I just, it, I didn't, really feel the same way. I think I must have developed a resentment or something, but uh, it just didn't seem like we had the same connection as when she left and then when she came back. And then what, tell me about some of the choices you began making in your life. Well, after that, we, we continued to see each other, but uh, I uh, jumped in with a, actually the devil got a hold of me. <laughs> I uh, started drinking and uh, using drugs uh, quite a bit, and uh, um, I actually had called her to take her out on a date six, seven, eight, nine times, and uh, never showed up, which uh, I really feel bad about now. But uh, you know, then <laughs> I was drinking and using, and uh, I didn't really care. So uh, that's about it. So you guys dated kind of off and on for a while, and broke up and eventually went your separate ways. And I know there's a lot of life that happened in between there. So I'll skip over some of that. But um, tell me about, I know because you said you didn't really think about the abortion much. Tell me about the moment where kind of things came down for you, where you realized, oh, this is, this is more than I thought it was. Well... <laughs> So you met a man, let me, let me start the story, how about that? <laughs> you met a man, you got married, and you guys decided yeah. to start a family. Well, I, tur I turned my life over to God yeah. first. <laughs> um, then I, <laughs> um, then I went through a lot of counseling. Um, growing up with alcoholism, I was pretty messed up. <laughs> and um, then I met a man, and we married, and... Um, when I got pregnant with our oldest son, we went through a birthing class, and I remember sitting there, and they showed me, or they showed all of us parents, um, an ultrasound of a two-month-old fetus, and I could hear all the parents, they were so excited, because 
they're so they're much more developed than you would ever realize and unfortunately i was not thinking about the baby i was going to have i was horrified at what i had done to my first baby and i realized it wasn't just tissue <laughs> um so that's when i just I couldn't live with what I had done, and I, I went home and asked God to forgive me over and over, and I just couldn't accept forgiveness or forgive myself. Jeff, tell me about um, kind of, so she is now married and starting a family. Tell me a little bit about your life at that point. Well, I uh, continued to uh, party and use and all that for many years, and then uh, I uh, had a talk with God and got involved in AA. I sobered up, uh, met a lady in uh, AA. We uh, got married, had three children. Um, I had a very successful career uh, that went on for a while. And uh, I stopped going to meetings. And uh, long story short, I drank again. And she put up with that for about eight years. And uh, then I got into some really heavy drugs and stuff. And that ended the marriage. I lost my family. It just, everything went down. I lost everything. And uh, the only reason I'm alive is because I found God. Now, Debbie, something significant happened uh, when you had just had your third child. So tell me about that. Um, just after having my third child, uh, my youngest son, I joined a Bible study, and I had never told anyone about my abortion, um, even in counseling, I, I, other than my mother and Jeff, I didn't tell anyone, and for some reason, I, when I was in this Bible study group, I just blurted it out and told all these women I had an abortion. Well, the leader of my group had also had one, and she was the group facilitator at Conquerors. So then I started going to Conquerors, and that's where I found hope and healing after abortion. And um, I went on to become a facilitator myself, and I spoke at groups and churches and um, became very involved in the program. Back That was back in the late 80s, early 90s. So a lot of life has happened. How did you guys reconnect? Tell me about that story. Well, I was down in Arkansas and taking care of my father, and um, he was, uh, had dementia, and he was in uh, hospice. Just, uh, they had said he had maybe a week or so left, and uh, anyhow, I was sitting on the porch, and I said a prayer to God. I asked him to put somebody in my life that, was kind and you know and caring and somebody that believed like I did and um, and the next <laughs> what happened you won't believe but um, you can explain <laughs> that <laughs> um, it's a miracle my my sister saw on Facebook that Jeff got a job a new job and he he didn't. It was just that a company bought the 
treatment center he was working for, um, and then it popped up that he got a new job at a treatment center. And she told me, and I thought, well, that's great. He's not using, he's working at a treatment center. So I sent him a text and congratulated him. And then we started to talk a little bit. And <laughs> then um, in 2018, my my daughter-in-law called me and she said, you're, you're not going to believe this. Um, in 1989, when I was with Conquerors, I wrote an article, or I wrote a letter to the Star Tribune about abortion. And they printed it. And my daughter-in-law told me that her grandmother had died and her, her mother was going through her Bible. And she found the article I wrote in 1989 about abortion. Well, I, I thought, well, I don't know if I want to talk to her mom about <laughs> my abortion. But um, I, so I told my daughter I'm a little nervous about this. But she said, but mom, maybe it's a God thing. Maybe there's a reason for this. Well, that evening, Jeff called me because his father had died. And I thought, well, this is too much of a coincidence that the father of the child I aborted had called me after she found that article. So I sent him a sympathy card, and I said, you know, I'd be glad to talk with you, and if there's something I can do to help, I would. And I ended up flying down to Arkansas and had lunch with him, and that's how we began. And just uh, one little piece that got skipped is your husband had passed away. Oh, and so, and yeah. Jeff didn't know that. <laughs> Sorry about to that. clarify that. <laughs> That's kind of a big thing. Um, and, I, and I was divorced. <laughs> My husband died eight years ago yeah, yeah. Um, from leukemia. But so Jeff didn't know that when he no, reached he out to you. He didn't yeah. know that. Um, he did know that before I flew sure. down there okay. because we had talked. So you guys reconnected, and then you decided this past year that you wanted to go through Conquerors together. Tell me briefly what that was like. Well, it, it was fantastic. I, I had uh, I'd never really dealt with any of this stuff, and uh, um, we together talked um, through counseling and, and sharing, and, man, it was really, really nice to, to get all of this out and I cried I uh, you know I uh, came in touch with feelings that I hadn't dealt with for years and it was just absolutely wonderful so I really appreciate Con. and now y'all are engaged yes we're engaged <laughs> Isn't that cool? God redeems one last question um, I know you guys are getting ready to go so tell me quickly you have all these college students, what would you want them to know? That God is great. You know, uh, prayer is very, very powerful. And just stay with God and please uh, just have a great, wonderful life and live it right. Thank you. <laughs> um, well, I told Tammy I always hear about that it's a woman's body, it's her choice. 
And I thought about when I got pregnant, and the thing is I changed when I became pregnant. I changed from a woman to a mother, and he changed to a father. And the, the body that was destroyed in my abortion wasn't mine. It was ours. And the thing about mothers or fathers or parents is we would give our own lives to protect the lives of our children. And so when to have an abortion goes so against how we naturally are and our instincts. When you help a woman do that, um, you're helping her to do something that's really against her nature and, and may leave her scarred for the rest of her life. If that, if that wasn't true, we wouldn't be here 50 years later. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm going to pray you out in just a second. We'd love to have you connect with us. Um, after chapel, we have a table out in the billy. We'd love to talk with you more, for, help equip you. Where are y'all going to send somebody? Good job. Okay, let me pray you out of here. God, thank you so much for today, Lord. Thank you for these students, God. I just pray your abundant blessing upon them as they go on their day to classes, Lord. I pray that they would be a beacon of light and truth filled with grace and love and compassion for those around them. And just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.